Welcome to coffeeis.me podcast, where me means you, or more precisely, us. This is the show where your host, Valerian, without using any interrogation techniques, convinces coffee professionals to reveal their secrets to teach and inspire you to make better coffee and earn a few bucks on the side, if that's what you fancy. Let the show begin. Hello, coffee friends. How was your year? Come and share it on our Facebook group, Coffee Is Me. We have almost 1,000 members there. Oh, I almost forgot. I'm your host, Valerian Hrala, the coffee dude with confusing Hungaro-Slavic accent, talking to you from his bedroom, little north of San Francisco. Hey guys, seriously, how was your 2016? For most of the people, 2016 was tough. And if you are one of those people, let me tell you one thing. When I came to United States in 2010, I had no idea what I'm going to do. I applied to different jobs, but I had no luck. In the meanwhile, I was trying different things, learning new skills and trying to get employed with a le- very little success. Perhaps you already heard my Pete's Coffee interview fa- failure. It took me over three years until I saw the light, you know, not, not that light, the, the path, and decided what I want to do and started to poke at it even more. So let this story lighten your path. If you had hard 2016, and things did not go right for you, take a deep breath and review what you achieved, what you learned, who you met, and who did you help to. All this is creating the path for your thing, whatever that will be. And while at it, come on, join Coffee Is Me Facebook group and share your experience for, from 2016 and also your vision for 2017. I think I'm talking to everyone. We would love to hear from each other, you know, what we are building, what we are doing in 2017. So here is my 2016. My biggest professional success was launching the redesigned coffeecourses.com, launching my new United States coffee brand, unleashedcoffee.com with uh, William, the coffee farmer. So about my biggest professional failure? Well, my biggest professional failure was that this podcast did not make it to Sprudge podcast finalists. I admit it. It broke my heart. For a few days, I felt really sorry for myself because, you know, I thought that based on our reviews, based on uh, your feedback, guys, I really thought that this podcast can make it to the top six coffee podcasts on, on Sprudge. If you nominated this podcast, thank you from all my heart. It was great. If you did not, no worries. I get it. You must be busy building your 2017 career and or, you know, fulfilling your dreams. And that's okay because this podcast is all about that. It's you and your success, you know? And I get it, we are busy, we are business people. But if during the holidays you feel a little bit bored and you have a little bit of time, then go and visit Sprudge and maybe you can vote for this podcast under the category Other. You know, there are the six finalists and under category Other, just say that Coffee Is Me podcast exists. I would be very grateful and maybe, you know, maybe we can actually make it as a, as a seventh add-on or whatever, I don't know. <laughs> But if not, again, thank you so much for listening and thank you for uh, supporting this podcast the whole year. And to prove how cool you guys are, I'm going to share some numbers after the show. So if you are curious who is listening, from where and how many people and all this you know, interesting statistical information, then stay with me and after the show I will share some of these. Finally, one of you will have a chance to have a free web store. Yes, guys. This is how I'm going to help you in 2017. I'm creating a new course for coffeecourses.com where I will reveal how did, how did I build 
my online businesses like coffeecourses.com, Green Plantation, or Unleash Coffee. And because for this course I will have to build a web store anyway, why don't you reward one of you, the listeners, to have their own web store and save ten to fifteen thousand dollars? So if you want to know more, uh, also I'll, I'll talk more about this after the show. So stay, you know, stay with us. But this episode, oh man, I'm so excited! In this episode, I have guests all the way from Paris. Yana opened her cafe slash bistro in Paris called Thank You, My Dear, and the dear is not like my loved one but it's actually spelled like the animal the deer you know the, the bug so the whole name is pretty funny and, and kind of sweet endearing she's a business owner barista baker and chef as i mentioned previously i truly believe that coffee roasters and baristas who know how to cook bake how to work and develop flavors have a serious advantage over the rest of the crowd yana is one of the few who can do that and does it very, very well. She's creating a lot of buzz all over France. She's a favorite of media, bloggers, and podcasters, of course. So without further ado, Jana Bukovinova from Thank You, My Dear. Uh, welcome, Jana. Uh, hi, thank you. We have three common things. Uh, one, we are both from Slovakia, right? Yes. Originally. Second is that we are both expats. Yeah. You live in Paris, I live in the uh, United States, and we both worked for United Nations. How funny. Yeah, and then one more thing, that we are into coffee. All right, okay, so it's four things. Well, you know, these three <laughs> things led me to a, a thing that I was going to say that, oh yeah, so if you are expat from Slovakia and you worked for UN, you probably work now with coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There is a statistically high chance that <laughs> if you worked for the UN, you work for coffee now. <laughs> and you have to be from Slovakia and have to be expat. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So, Jana, what, what is your coffee story? Do you remember when you ever had your first cup of coffee? So, the coffee story. Um, so, I was drinking this uh, Nescafe uh, when I was a student. So super nice, uh, you know, instant coffee mm-hmm. with a lot of milk in it <laughs> to keep me awake when I had to study. So I guess that was my start with a coffee. And then um, I worked actually quite a few times during summer holiday um, in foreign countries, either in bars or restaurants. And um, when I came to Paris to do my master's, I worked in a uh, in a cafe in school. There was like this in a in a big hall. There was this little corner with a like a little coffee shop. So I worked there. But the coffee was pretty bad. But back back then I didn't really realize. So I just had that coffee with a with milk always because it was so bad, you know, on its own. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> but I actually really like this coffee life also, like a like a social life in a cafe that you know, like people meeting and all that. And uh, then, yeah, later on in Paris, a, a friend of ours took us to a, a specialty coffee shop uh, called Café Otec when I had my first specialty coffee. I don't remember like where it was from, but I just remember that it was pretty amazing and so different from anything else that I had before. So this was my first um, meetup with a specialty coffee. Mm-hmm. 
And then later on, when we wanted to open uh, a coffee shop, uh, it was pretty sure that we didn't want to offer this uh, bad coffee. One thing that was very sure about our concept, that we were going to do specialty coffee. Mm-hmm. Why did you decide to open a cafe in Paris? Why not in uh, home, Bratislava? Or... Uh, well, because I, I spent my um, student uh, years in, in Paris, so I kind of, uh, I had many friends and, you know, it's kind of like an important part of your life. So I felt at home here. And, um, but I was kind of traveling and I was in many different countries, also back home in Slovakia. But then I wanted to come back to Paris and uh, find a job. But at the end, I didn't find a job. I opened a cafe. Oh. I mean, I, I dropped uh, job applications and I, I thought like, okay, let's, let's do this. That's actually another thing we have in common. I came to the United States and I couldn't find a job. So that's why I started to be on my own. And that's why I started to do uh, different businesses. So uh, Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I was actually spending my time in, uh, in cafes, like working on my CV. And one day going home, I just thought like, man, let's forget about these CVs. Like, I, I really, I don't know. Some, it was like... It happened spontaneously, but it also pretty fast. I didn't spend like months and months looking for a job. So, and very very fast, I was very I was pretty convinced about it. Mm-hmm. I I was dropping also CVs, you know, uh, the different places, and I felt like nobody wants me. Nobody wants me. I'll show them. So now I'm showing them. I guess <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I had the same feeling exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And I felt kind of relieved that I don't have to beg anymore and I don't have to update my CV and always adapt my story to um, to your public, right? Like Because it's always a little bit different and you are always saying like, oh, I really want to work here, but you are thinking something else. So I feel kind of relieved that, um, okay, maybe this is really what I want to do. And I don't, I will be on my own, but I will also be, I will be doing something that I, that I like and... Yeah, I don't have to pretend that I like it. I will, I will like it because it will be my decision. So, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are not working for the man anymore. You are working for yourself, and uh, yeah. you are implementing your ideas and your visions on your yeah, exactly. own way. Yeah, I, I totally get yeah. that. I, you know, for somebody, and maybe this is kind of valuable for people who still have jobs and they're thinking to move on. To it's it really takes a lot of guts because all my life before I used to work for someone. And it's very comforting that, you know, you work somewhere, you get your paycheck, it's very stable, and it just happened. But also, in my case, it made me kind of stupid because I was doing my job, and that's it. I wasn't thinking too much, you know. I wasn't being innovative. I didn't try to, you know, do risks, which I love to take sometimes, you know, small risk and kind of find out things, you know, work with my curiosity. But you just mm-hmm. do the stuff and you kind of, it, I think that it kind of made me stupid. Yeah, I, I agree. It's the same for me. It's, it's, I think it's more difficult than, well, it depends maybe on the business, and, but it's probably more difficult than having a job where you get your paycheck and you have paid holiday and everything. But uh, <clears throat> what I'm doing now is uh, intellectually more challenging than what I was doing before. Because, yeah, you have this security and you kind of also, like, you don't do many new initiatives because 
oh, you need more many approvals and, you know, it's not worth it and all that. But if you are working for yourself, you have to, you have to be creative. You have to, you have to do all kind of different jobs, like uh, cleaning, you know, everything, mm -hmm. I mean, accounting, barista, service, cooking. <laughs> and you have to learn these skills, right? Yeah. And then like uh, social media mm -hmm. and inventing new things like, okay, how can we, uh, how can we get more sales or I don't know, some pop-up events and yeah, the, it's such a wide range of things that you can do. Yeah. So it really depends on what kind of personality are you. If you're a personality who, you know, is curious, likes to kind of learn new things and is ready to experiment that's a lifestyle which is perfect right for me and for you that works but if you're a person totally who, uh, yeah yeah, yeah like I, agree. Then... I think there are some people that would never be able to do to be an entrepreneur and this is not um i don't mean it in a negative way i think we are all different and that's a good thing yeah but uh i think it's really a question of personality yeah it's okay. not like it's it's uh it's more difficult or it's less difficult. I think it's a, yeah, it's, uh, we all have a choice and we choose something that we want to do. And yeah. No, well, cool. At well, least I hope <laughs> that people do what they want to do. Yes. That's, you know, it's an ultimate happiness when you do what you do. I mean, for me yeah. doing this is not a job. It's, it's, it's doing it. It's, it's fun. And that's why, you know, my, uh, kids, they are, you know, going to school, so they're very excited about the weekends. My wife, she has a job. She's yeah. very excited about the weekends. For me, I don't really have weekends because for me, the weekend might be on Wednesday because, you know, yeah. that's when I don't work. Yeah. Or sometimes, you know, my weekend is very busy because there are farmer's markets, you know, there are certain presentations on the weekends. So I have to work on the weekends, which for me, again, it's not a work. It's more like, yeah, it's just what I do. You know, I'm having fun. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Back to coffee. So... We don't bore people who are interested in coffee, but I think this is a very interesting conversation. I love to talk about it. So uh, what I heard in, about Paris, I've never been in Paris, but uh, what I heard about Paris is that coffee there is awful. I is that true? It is totally true. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty bad, yeah. <laughs> so you must, you must find the gold mine, right? Because now people are going to your place? Well, yeah, but... Um... Actually, we have many Anglo-Saxon uh, clients because I think that, uh, you know, taste, it's, um, it's a question of habit. Like we are very used to something mm -hmm. and it might be bad, but you are used to it. So if you try something good, but you are not used to it, then it, it, it tastes strange to you and you might not like it at, uh, at first. And I think this is the, the thing with coffee, that French are used to this bitterness and they associate it with the coffee like uh, over-roasted and super bitter coffee. Uh, but I think, yeah, they are used to it, so, yeah. And also the thing is that they uh, they go to get a coffee in the morning at the bar, and it's also, it's just a habit. It's not about the coffee itself, I think, you know? Mm -hmm. It's more like, oh, I'm going to have a coffee on my way to work, or, and they don't think about the coffee itself so much. I think they will say hi to the to the bartender because they see him every morning but um, they don't care where the coffee comes from or you know if the if it was uh, grinded two days uh, ago and it's sitting there or if the water is filtered or not and, you know so but yeah I think it's um, there are 
more and more specialty coffee shops in Paris. So I think even French are getting to know it. And yeah, it just takes some time because they are very resistant to all changes. <laughs> in my opinion. All French. <laughs> Everything traditional. <laughs> That's what I observed. So, okay. So why did you decide then uh, to go with Specialty uh, Café and what was your vision when you started the café in Paris? So, um, <clears throat> as I said before, Paris for me was uh, or is kind of like home. So I wanted to come back here. And um, also because, yeah, I spent a few years here studying. So I knew a little bit the system. I mean, after Slovakia, uh, France for me is like the second home, you know. So um, it was obviously Paris where I would settle down and do my activity. And um, so when I had this idea to do something on my own, I told about it my my best friend, Sonia. She's also Slovak. And she was totally excited about it. And she said, okay, I'm going to help you. We're going to do it uh, together. Um, and... So we, it was not so difficult to come up with the concept because we were into specialty coffee and it was um, now, yeah, like three and a half or almost four years ago and there were not many specialty coffee shops. So we thought like, okay, this is a perfect timing. It's a good idea. It's going to work. And then the, the second thing that we wanted to focus on was um, gluten-free food. Mm -hmm. And this is because I had... Um, Just like for a few months, I was eating gluten-free. Just like, uh, you know, out of the blue, I got this idea. <laughs> and uh, also there was there was maybe like three, two or three uh, places that were doing gluten-free uh, food. So we thought like, okay, we have a concept that will that is pretty unique. So we were, we didn't have any doubts about um, that this could work. Yeah, so that's why. Oh my gosh, you are... They will torture you down. I mean, gluten-free in France, <laughs> home of amazing pastries and bread. Yeah, it's true. But uh, there is this niche <clears throat> that, um, I mean, there will be more and more food allergies, I think, with the coming generations because of how bad industrial food we get today, uh, in my opinion. And so this market is becoming bigger and bigger. Mm -hmm. But also we thought uh, that this was unique and uh, we could dif differentiate ourselves from the from other places, you know, because there are so many restaurants and cafes in in Paris. Um, yes, yeah, I but it's it, you cannot really compare our shop with a with a bakery or something. And uh, I totally love croissant and all this stuff. So you know, I don't eat only gluten free. Um, fortunately, because I don't have any allergy, but um, there are people who do, so they come here, and I think that we we manage to make good stuff. Yeah, I mean that's a great. I mean, I was kidding, you know. Hopefully, you will not end up on the guillotine, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was because you know I believe that you always have to find something which doesn't exist, and there is always a small amount of people who are different than the majority, right? So, yeah. you know, offering gluten-free in a heavy gluten environment might be something which nobody thinks of as a business, nobody thinks of because, oh, it's a small margin, but 
there might be enough people which will sustain you. And, you know, as we know, yeah, I agree with you that, you know, the world is changing. There's a lot of people who do gluten-free not only because of the, you know, allergies, but also as a life choice. You know, they just decide that, you know, it's not good for them and they want to try it out. You know, it's very fashionable. And I think that, you yeah. know, that was a very clever move from your side, guys. Yeah. Did you have a business plan when you started? Uh, yes, we did. It, it was uh, a little bit difficult to... Um, make up the numbers because we didn't have a space and we didn't know how many tables we were going to have and you know all that but uh, we had a business plan and um, when you well yeah when we were starting it was like we were doing everything at the same time sometimes it was pretty bad without really we didn't really know what we were we didn't have any like um, clear or super detailed uh, ideas but you just have to start somewhere, right? And uh, then you are going to um, make it better and better. And so we had a business plan that we presented to the bank when we, we were asking for the loan, which was like super small, nothing really important, but uh, still we didn't, we, di uh, we needed a little help from the bank. Um, but um, yeah, we were pretty lucky. We found um, a nice spot. It's super small, but um, the rents in Paris are really high, so it was like good to start with. You know, we didn't. Uh, we this uh, space has like um, twenty-five square meters, maybe. I don't mm -hmm. know how it is in the in the square feet or. I have whatever. no clue. I still use European measurements. <laughs> Six years. <laughs> <Okay. in. laughs> Google so it. Twenty-five the... square meters. Google it. <laughs> Uh, we uh, including the kitchen, so oh wow, it's that's tiny. Small. Yeah, wow. we have it's like a um, kind of narrow space, and we have like six little tables, so it's twelve people can sit down. And um, yeah, if I can be very open, and I can tell you that we pay sixteen hundred euros rent for it, so Oof, it's quite high. Yeah, yeah, so you can imagine how many coffees we need to sell for to to make the money for the rent. But that's Paris. And people are very, very used to share space here. So whenever you go out to the restaurant, you can basically have a discussion with your neighbors. You know, It's like people are very used to eat at the same table, basically. Even in the high-end restaurants where you pay quite a lot for the food, you, it's, you know, there is just uh, very little space in Paris. So this was not an issue in, I mean, you know, people are used to it. We don't have couches or, you know, like in the Starbucks or, or uh, even in Bratislava in in, uh, in Slovakia, it's, uh, there is more spaces in the, in the smaller cities. But uh, this is the reality here in Paris. And uh, so we started with the small space like this. I mean, we still have the same space. <laughs> And, um, yeah, everything worked out pretty well and also uh, quite fast. We found the, um, when I had the idea maybe in December, uh, four years ago. And then <clears throat> in uh, January, we found a space. It was like basically like looking for an apartment. You make a few visits and you can sign even like two days later because you need to hurry up because there are four other people that would like to sign uh -huh. with the owner. So it, it, it happened pretty fast. So really in like three months, everything was settled down and then we opened in April. So from the, um, the time when I got the idea until the real opening, it was maybe like four to five months. So 
it worked out well. How you know, so you you said you had a business plan. How does it compare to the reality? I remember I did many business plans in my life and most of that most of the time I failed. So the reality was totally different. Sometimes positive, sometimes negative way. How was it in your case? Uh, it was also pretty far from reality. So our business <laughs> it was overestimated in terms of uh, sales mm-hmm. and also like a number of uh, sold uh, lunches and coffees and everything. And maybe we were at that uh, um, level the second year, like towards the end of the second year when, where my business plan was. So, yeah, it was a very nice business plan. Like it looked super nice on the paper <laughs> for the bank. <laughs> How did you decide about the location? You said you went to different places. What did attract you on the location, what you have now? Was it only the price? Was it uh, something around? Is there something around which you thought that it can be uh, lucrative for uh, customers? Or how did you decide about that? Uh, so I, um, we were looking in few neighborhoods in Paris. Um, or I was like really open about uh, when I saw some space that could be interesting. For us, I went to see it, and even though I didn't know the neighborhood, and there were a few where I thought, okay, this is like very residential, only families and old people living here. Okay, maybe not our clientele. Then I went to one space that was in the very, very center. There are like two islands on the Seine, on the river, and the smaller one is like super touristy, like very, very touristy. But there are mostly like all Germans. You know, so I thought, okay, this is not our clientele either. <laughs> and also, it was pretty expensive. Like it's like a true, you're talking, sorry, you're talking like a true French. All the Germans. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then this, actually, this place, I knew the neighborhood very well because our school is just like uh, two blocks away. And then also, I used to live here. So I used to take this street. I used to pass by this uh Uh, this location every day when I was going to school and um, it's kind of like a um, kind of uh, young neighborhood but also very mixed like there used to be a many like um, shisha uh, bars before and it it used to be pretty mixed now it's becoming pretty expensive um, neighborhood in Paris but it's still very mixed which I like, and it's it's kind of true, you know, it's not just like a, a super cool hipster neighborhood with, where only young Americans live. So it's quite authentic, you know, uh, but also kind of cool, <laughs> which is good for specialty coffee, I guess. Yeah. And it's it's also changing a lot because, yeah, before it, w- it was like the whole street was full of shisha bars. So, yeah, I knew the neighborhood, and when I saw the space... I, I was like, uh, I needed half a second to decide. I was like, that's it. This is what I re- what we're going to what we're going to rent. And then um, the guy who was from the agency who was renting it, he said like, okay, uh, I see that you are really interested, but there are two other people who would like to uh, rent this space. And I think this happening like in uh, I don't know. Maybe, the whole thing lasted maybe three days, and I uh, I told him, yeah, but uh, you don't get it. Like this is for us. <laughs> we have to get this. <laughs> and he told, yeah, he called me the day after, and he said, oh, I'm really sorry, but 
there is the the owner chose somebody else to sign the the contract with, and I'm like, no man, you really have to try. I'm I'm good. I want to meet him. I want to present him our project, and we really have to try hard. And he's like, okay, okay, I get it. I'm gonna try. And then the next day, I think it was like Saturday evening, he called me and he said, okay, the owner agreed that. Um, yeah, I think the thing was actually that the the guy who was supposed to rent it, he wanted to sign it um, like in a week or something like that. And the owner uh, wanted to get rid of it, sign it and go on holiday. So he was pretty in a hurry. So then he looked at our project too and he decided, okay, let's, let's do it with these girls. So we were lucky. And I guess he's lucky too, right? Yes. <laughs> Just the renting it four years later, you know, and it's, it's a good... Yeah, you know. I think it's a good thing for the owner if, the, if the, the business is doing well. Yeah, I guess it's a mutual interest, right? Yeah, <clears throat> but it was kind of... I'm, I, I don't know if you believe in that or if, you're, um, if people who listen to this believe in that, but I made a wish, you know, because there was... I mean, I, if I was a, a negative person, I would be just like, oh, shit, it didn't work out. But I was like no man, this is for us. And I made a wish. And the guy, when the guy from the agency called me on Saturday evening and he said, okay, we, we have it. It's for you. I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so we opened a bottle of champagne. <laughs> well, yeah. whatever works, you know, it's like, if it's a wish, then it's a wish. You know, I, I don't know. I, I'm not dismissing anything you know so um i'm always open to new things like any entrepreneur i guess it would be very easy to say it doesn't work well if wish works then if wish works but i i try to focus on the hard work and i think that in your case you did the job you know so with the yeah, hard yeah work. there is also hard work but sometimes this uh which stuff helps <laughs> <laughs> okay i hook up with you i have some ideas for my businesses so we can, we can brainstorm no but it actually worked few times this my wishes because then we did um like a crowdfunding campaign and we set up the goal um i think it was like three thousand but me and sonia we made a wish like uh privately that we wanted four thousand no it was like five thousand something i can't remember but we got exactly the amount we made a wish, you know. We got like, um, yeah, exactly that amount. So, you know, it works. Fascinating. It never works for me. So, again, I'm going to hook up with you and discuss this. How <laughs> shall I do the wishes? Because, you know, it, okay, it's not true that never works. Uh, it mostly doesn't work, I would say. But uh, I would I would not be able to uh, wish something and happen exactly. I don't think so. But... I'm not dismissing it. I'm just saying that you know it never worked for me. Um, okay. Yeah, the thing is, you have to you have to believe in it. But sometimes, of course, I, I I do have times when I have a lot of doubts, and then my wishes don't come true. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or don't happen. So. Cool. But it is possible. Yeah. So when it comes to wishes, what kind of uh, Coffee equipment did you wish for? <laughs> so how did you okay? How did you purchase the coffee equipment? Because it's something which people so, are always asking. Is it did you uh, chose a new ones, a used ones, or how did you go about it? So we uh, when we were thinking what coffee or what roaster we wanted to work with, we went to see um, 
one barista uh, in that coffee shop where I had my first specialty coffee, mm-hmm. and he he gave us a lot of advice. And then we went to see another roaster. Uh, it's called Couture, and uh, they were super nice, really. Like it was maybe the first time uh, somebody was treating me with a lot of respect. You know, we came just like two girls had no idea about coffee, and we were like, "Oh, hi." Uh, we would like to open a coffee shop and we want to work with you. I mean, they could say like, you know, whatever, get out. But they were they were treating us with a lot of respect. They gave us training. They had an amazing barista working there at that time. So we had a training with him. It was seriously, I am, I just cannot say anything bad about them. They were amazing. And so they helped us to choose the, the coffee equipment. We, um, they were, they had a um, Lamarzoco at that time mm-hmm. machine. So we, we got that too. We just have the little, uh, GS3. And then, uh, for the grinder, we had, uh, we have an Anfim, uh, brand. So that was, um, they advised us with this equipment and we, it was new. We bought the new equipment. So the thing the, is also, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because we didn't have any, or like we had the minimum knowledge about it, so we really trusted them and their knowledge. And we also have a very small space for the like the bar space, so we thought like, okay, let's get this small one. Mm-hmm. And but it's it's been it's been fine. I mean, I'm happy with it. How many coffees do you sell a day? Uh, maybe uh, around fifty. Mm-hmm. It depends on days, but yeah, it's not like a big debit. It's a more like a small neighborhood coffee shop, so it's not like Starbucks, you know. Is it only espresso or is it also uh, other methods? So we do filter coffee, either V60 or Aeropress, mm-hmm. but um, our clients drink mostly espresso and espresso-based drinks, so I do mostly that, and then few filter coffees too. But I don't. I do it like a, I don't do a batch filter. I do it like for every client separately. Okay, that's very cool. So you do Hario and you do Aeropress. How do you go about Aeropress? For me, it's always a bit uh, puzzling because Aeropress takes a lot of time to prepare, right? I mean, not to be prepared, but then you have to clean it and prepare it for the next uh, batch. Is is that true? Um, yeah, it's the same with Hario. It's the same with V60. So. Um, Sometimes, for example, is I uh, warn people if it's busy, I tell them like, okay, but it's going to take some time. And then they tell me, okay, I don't have time, so I'll get Americano or, you know, if it's for a takeaway, for example. Uh-huh. But, um, and then also we do uh, brunch on weekends and there is a, a coffee included, but I don't include filter coffee because then I wouldn't manage. Oh, I, I just see. wouldn't manage. So that's how I... Kind of manage, but during the normal day, weekday, I usually don't have this problem that I am I'm, I'm not managing. So I you, just warn people in case there is um, this risk. So you have a sing, single head espresso maker, you said, right? Yeah. And uh, you do f- approximately fifty espresso based drinks a day. Uh, yeah. When would you say you would have to upgrade to a double? No, well, you, you now have a feeling that you know this a uh, single group mm-hmm. machine is you know. Uh, it's doing enough. certain, yeah. you know, efficiency for you. What do you think? When will when will the time come and you say, okay, this is not enough. I need a, a, a 
dual double group dual group machine yeah maybe then we would need to really rethink the whole space because the bar actually we there is like um uh, the bar is uh, it has two parts and there is entrance between two of them for mm -hmm. me i mean for the bartender for the person who works behind the bar and there is no space to get a bigger machine you know because it's on the there is the entrance next to it so we would need to rethink the whole bar area so you're stuck with it <laughs> yeah kind of so we would have to i don't know like really change this or move to a bigger uh, space or something also we were what we were doing uh for the for one year uh, was that on sundays we were renting uh, a bar next door uh, during the day for brunch because we it was pretty busy there was one period when it was like too busy and we couldn't we were refusing so many people so we made a deal with the guys next door they have a bar and they are closed during the day so we were renting their space and then I wouldn't be able to do uh, espressos for the for next door too because it was like around 30 um, seats. So this little machine wouldn't be able to send all these drinks. So mm. then I was doing kind of like a batch uh, filter coffee, and that was included in the in the branch. Okay. So this was one uh, kind of one time when we had to think like, okay, what do we do about a coffee? Because our machine is not enough. So how many coffees do you think you can make on it a day? Uh, I think I could go to, I, I could double easily. I think I okay. could still do. Yeah. I'm just trying to get a feeling that if somebody is wanting to invest in a, a coffee maker and, uh, sorry, espresso maker, and they, let's say have something like your, you know, like you, like your situation is that you are like a bistro. You are not a, cafe per se you know if they're thinking that they're going to sell up to 100 coffees they can go with a single group right is that correct yeah 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 i think it yeah it's possible okay so what what's the percentage between the food and the uh, let's say the food products you sell and the coffee what would you say when it comes to income uh so um there are days when we do like on, on weekend for example on sundays especially it's maybe like even 80% is food. And then during the week, it's maybe, it's still more than 50. It's maybe 60 or something like that is food and the rest is drinks. So we definitely make more money with food. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. And that's uh, the income or is that the item sold? Um, it's the income. Income. The income. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, would you recommend to cafes to kind of focus a little bit also on the food? Because I saw, you know, cafes where they, let's say, have some bars, you know, like simple baked bars. Or would you think that's a good idea for them to kind of venture out to simple foods? It's a very good question. I was actually thinking about it myself for last uh, past year, maybe, mm -hmm. because there are coffee shops opening. And when I get there, I'm like, I'm really looking for, uh, like, I'm really curious to see how long are they going to stay open? Because sometimes I'm like, come on, you cannot survive from just selling these. So, um, but I think actually that you can do coffee shop just with some cakes and you can survive. But then you would need to sell off like co uh, also coffee, like, um, coffee grains and then maybe some coffee equipment. Um, <clears throat> or maybe also like some kind of, um, 
how do you say that in English? Like uh, in French, it's épicerie. Like maybe some high-end confiture or whatever, you know, some mm-hmm. kind of or chocolate or some some other stuff. But actually, you know, when you get a cappuccino and a and a carrot cake, you paid eight euros. You pay eight euros, and in our coffee shop, for example, or in Paris, more or less, the prices are the same in coffee shops. Mm-hmm. And if you get a lunch at our place, you pay nine euros for the salad. So I mean, you, you know. It's kind of like there is in in my case in our case we do so much effort for the food that it should be it should be more expensive but we cannot really ask for more. So I think coffee and cakes are kind of easy option or less effort, you know, there is less effort and you can still make money with it. So I think that yeah, so to um to say in one sentence, I think that um coffee shop can survive just with coffee and some cakes and then some additional coffee equipment and stuff and you don't maybe you don't really need to have like the proper kitchen and do lunches mm-hmm. okay so because i was i was thinking about the the next step like if uh, <clears throat> uh because i w- we would like to move to another city in uh, in france and then i would like to open another coffee shop but uh, I would do it much uh, simpler the next one because we are not what we are doing now is that we do we bake our bread every morning and this is like super time consuming and uh, everything it's like another profession and we are trying to do it ourselves I mean we are doing it pretty well but it's just so much effort it's, but, it's not very efficient but isn't no, that I mean, why people would come to you because you offer it is yeah it is exactly yeah so if you would offer and also something we had, mm-hmm, go ahead we also had a lot of uh press at the beginning <clears throat> many like the people were, were calling us i didn't have to do anything you know even wall street journal one day called i'm like are you serious so it was a good thing to do Yes, I totally agree with you. You said something very important here. Uh, and that's what happened to Green Plantation, uh, my Slovak company. When we started, yeah. nobody else was doing it. It was so weird and so out of the norm, you know, non-existent. So, so we got a lot of free press and that's totally worth it, I think. You know, it's like there's nothing more important than free press. Even now, we're always thinking how to, you know, make that same move, you know, because now we have a lot of competition in Slovakia. So, you know, the specialty coffee is in, it's kind of settling in. So we can, we're always thinking, how can we do something uh, that the journalists come and write about us? You know, it's, yeah, uh, yeah, it was, it was amazing. Like uh, the first week we opened, we were in nationwide magazine. So uh, <laughs> we were in a super good um, uh, food guide. And yeah, things like that. And we didn't pay any press agency or anything, yeah. you know. Yeah. So yeah. it's yeah, it's pretty amazing. And also, those articles are different when they uh, journalists journalists come to you because they are curious. They those yeah. sound totally different than ones you try to kind of like push through press releases and stuff. Yeah. I've experienced yeah. with both, so I, but I know when the journalist comes and writes down their like opinion because they are just curious, you know, what's going on. Those are really like, those are worth of gold, you know, that's... Yeah, best. and they also, they are fighting for you because everyone wants to write about you because it's something new. So they want it for their journal, for their magazine or whatever. So, yeah, they are kind of fighting. 
Wow, it did not happen to me yet that people were like journalists were fighting about my project, but <laughs> I'm really jealous now. I want to wish. Okay, I will wish. Or, I will wish very hard. <laughs> or some also like some bloggers, you know, they are like, oh, I want to be the first one to write about them, mm-hmm. and it's the same. Like it happens now with the new coffee shops that open. I see it, and then you just see on Instagram or on social media like who will be the first one posting about it, and then the like twenty bloggers post about it, but they are just you know fighting who will be the first and who will take a better picture in the, in the place. So, <laughs> Okay, you can g- give me some uh, blogger uh, addresses. I, I want to talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> that, that sounds so cool. I, it, it's really like I can feel that you have a lot of fun with this. And, you know, that, that makes a difference. You know, people feel that. So that people want to write about you. People want to visit you. Okay, so when it comes to business... Yeah. Uh, when did you turn profitable? When did you say to yourself, oh, this actually works and uh, can make my living? I can make, you know, living from this, doing this. So <clears throat> I will be very honest. I'm not going to try to say the, only the nice things. So I think our, so now we are finishing our fourth year. Um, so I think the best year was the, or when it became really good was the third year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, yeah, so I think the first two years were maybe a, a bit of a struggle. Also in terms that we couldn't hire anyone and I had to cover all the hours and your fatigue is just building up. So you are less enthusiastic. Also, the enthusiasm is kind of past, you know, <laughs> so it, it was pretty difficult. But then we, we managed to hire one more person and I, could, I was only working four days. So it was like a, like a luxury and we still managed to pay everyone, and so that was pretty good. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and yeah, but then also we had a lot of uh, hard um, experiences that I wouldn't recommend, and uh, I mean I wouldn't wish anyone to happen. It was, for example, we had a very bad accountant who gave us a lot of bad advice, Oof. and that cost yeah, and that cost us uh, money and time and energy and everything. So, and we we changed that accountant, and then we we went to a bigger um, kind of like accountant office. There were I don't know maybe like twenty accountants working, and we got a lady who was pretty bad. So again, the second time it didn't work out so well. And we got like a, we got a fine from tax office because we were late. And this is all, it was not my fault. Mm -hmm. But also, I mean, I, I, now I'm, I'm kind of pushing the accountant. I'm like, okay, this needs to be done. This needs to be done. But it, it, it normally should be accountant who would do that. Exactly. It's not, it's not my job to follow all the deadlines and everything. So it was also my first experience with the business. So I was not so um, so good with all the details and deadlines, and also it's 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 France, so I'm not you know so good with the administration and all the things that need to be done. So we really needed that help, but it didn't work out so well for us. So that was one thing, and then also um, I think banks are killing small businesses. It, this yep. is. Uh, this is such a pain in the ass, excuse my language, but uh, they are really killing them. And um, the thing is, basically, if you have money, you can get more money. If you don't have money, you will be even fined, you know. Yes. So this is a sad 
reality. And I think this needs to change and I think it will change because there are already online banks, which still belong to big banks. But anyway, it's um, there are less fees and, you know, you don't really need the agency to the bank, the physical bank to go there because they won't solve any of your problems anyway. At least that's uh, my experience here in France. Um, so I think this something needs to happen in uh, for business uh, for I mean for business accounts to something needs to change because this is not normal. Yeah, we had the same experience with the accountant. By the way, we had uh, cheap but very bad accountant and uh, in Slovakia. Sorry, that's my Slovak mm-hmm. business and. It cost us, luckily we did not get any fine because, you know, once you get on the radar of the tax office in Slovakia, oh man, you will never get off it. You know, it's like you can't yeah, do exactly, the Yeah, exactly, because here it's the same. We have the same lady taking care of our business yes. at, the, at the tax office. So now she knows us every time the thank you, my dear uh, letter comes, she knows. So she, yeah, we had a bad reputation and that's, you know, you cannot change that. Yeah. It's the same in Slovakia. And you know what we actually did? You know what we did after that? And we went to the tax office and said, look, uh, we know we are behind. Because you can, we are behind with our uh, tax uh, report or whatever you call it, annual mm-hmm. tax report. And that's, I hate when it happens because it there was no reason for that. It was really just accountant not submitting it on time yeah. and asking for yeah. delays. And I went to the tax office, actually Peter, sorry, went to the tax office and he said that, look, uh, can you recommend us 10 accountants you like to work with? And obviously they didn't want to do that, but after a little convincing, it's like, look, really want to work with you because we are staying here for, we are going to be here for a long time. We really want to, mm-hmm. you know, like do a good job because from our side, we want to do coffee. We don't want to do accounting and we are happy to pay for someone who will do it for us, but we want one of the best. You, you know, one of the ones who will work with you. And actually, she came up with one name, which I used to work with when I was working in Slovakia. So I was like, this is perfect, you know. So uh, we changed mm-hmm. accountant. We pay a little bit more. But you know what? Peter, it's worth it, yeah. Peter can do coffee. Peter doesn't have to do accounting. Like you said yeah. that you have to always be vigilant. We don't have to be vigilant. She does an amazing job, you know. So mm-hmm. that makes all the difference. Yeah. And when oh, it comes to banks... When it comes to banks and investment, gosh, you know, when we were starting, it was very hard too. like nobody was giving us loan and we didn't even want a loan. So we kind of managed to do it from our own money. But it was hard because every penny, you know, we had to pinch every penny. But yeah. now as we have income, Peter goes to bank to they always offer him loan. <laughs> <laughs> the banks are, yes, they are, they are made that way. And do you know that show called Shark Tank? No. No, so basically you have a panel of uh, four or five people, five uh, investors, and there is a, a some entrepreneur comes in and pitches an idea. You know, he has making cookies, or she invented a new app. So you know, she says that, or he says that. Here, I invented this, and I give you ten percent of my company for hundred thousand dollars. Okay, mm-hmm. and he or she will show the, you know, the product and tells the numbers of the company. And these investors, they call them sharks. They either invest in a company or not. Sometimes they fight over mm-hmm. it, like who will give a better deal. What surprises me that many times people give out like 40 or 30% of their companies to these people. I'm like, that's your company. It's gone. 30% of your or 40% of your company is gone. You gave it to a shark, you know? So that's why I, I, I don't know. If you... 
because these sharks they just give you some money and maybe some advice you know so uh, mm-hmm. they don't really be a part of your company so if i give yeah. some stocks away to someone i want them to work with me i want them to be you know active participants in the growth right yeah yeah this is a difficult thing to do and i think it depends on people and on their businesses but for example at, at some point we were thinking with sonia okay what if our employees wanted to become part of the company mm-hmm. and then we thought like yeah but how much are we going to give them you know because we they didn't work so hard at the beginning i mean they were not there at the beginning and it's um it's not that i don't want to share but uh the question is like, okay, what's the what's uh, fair for us and for them? It's uh, so. What, what did did you come up with something? Because I'm curious. No, no, because at the end we didn't like they were not interested. We were just talking about it with them, but it never really happened. But uh, yeah, I don't know how would I proceed. I don't know. And this is very interesting what you said again because in United States it's different. So that's my exact experience in Slovakia. So I think that's a European thing. When we started, and Peter is a good example, uh, he had much less shares in a company because he invested much, much less money in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But as he, you know, did an amazing job, we agreed that he gets certain percentages. So he did. So today he's a 30% owner of Green Plantation. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he's happy with it. And he wants even more shares and he works his arse off. So he's working mm-hmm. very, very hard. Now, yeah. if we ever said to somebody else that, look, we give you a minimal salary, but we'll give you uh, options. And I'll tell you in a sec what's the difference between options and shares. They were not interested. They were not motivated at all. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm-hmm. how, how can you, you can see a company which is growing because at that time you're already growing. If you help our growth, we are happy to give you part of a company. They said, no, I want more money. And I was like, okay, let's just give them more money. That's actually much better for us because the shares when we started, we invested 8,000 euros and so that means that one share divided by 100 was like uh, 80 euros, right? Mm-hmm. Today, if I would sell my company, Green Plantation, which is a small company, I would not go under 5,000 euros a share. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and that's only four years. So mm-hmm. if ever, like any employee at that time would say, oh, you know what? I'm happy to work for minimum wage. And you know what? I want 1% of the company. Today, that would be a different number. And that's only today, you know, so it, we are still growing. We didn't stop, you know, so that's, mm-hmm. that's very interesting that people don't get that, that, you know, they don't want to be a part of the company, like with, when it comes to stocks, but they want their like five, not, let's say, you know, wage at that time was, I think 400 euros in Slovakia at that time. So they, they wanted 600 euros, not 400. Mm-hmm. And they gave up the yeah, stocks. Yeah, they wanted the money, the money now. Yeah. I mean, and, Today, I don't even offer stocks anymore because today, obviously, they are, you know, uh, their worth is much, much more than when we started. And I don't really Mm -hmm. want to dilute anymore because, you know, they don't deserve it, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I I actually... So the deal we have with Sonia is that she she um, kept her job and she really likes it and she doesn't see herself working in in the coffee shop. So, which is perfectly fine. And I think we have... um, um it's it's working very well between us also because we are very honest and we are not like greedy or anything you know and we also help like she helps as much as she can and she works here on weekend she worked here on weekends like the for one year every weekend i think and now she also from time to time comes and helps um but 
the end. I think we are not like greedy and we didn't do it for money. That was the first thing. Like we did it because I was passionate and um, she wanted to help me. And she also likes coffee and she is also um, uh, so much into it. But uh, yeah, so we didn't do it because we wanted to earn a lot of money. So I think that's the... That's one of the reasons why it works well also between us and we didn't have any arguments or anything about money. But um, I, sometimes I wish that I would have a, a business partner who would actually work here with mm-hmm. me. And yeah. the best would be if that business partner would, uh, would like to take over the kitchen because this is something that I don't want to do anymore. I really like, for example, baking, but I just don't want to deal with the kitchen anymore. And also, I, it's like so many different things that I have to do that... Sometimes I'm like, oh, give me a break. I just want to work more with the coffee and like do maybe more um, uh, trainings and you know uh, maybe learn how to roast or uh, I don't know. There are so many things to learn, but I have to deal with the the orders for the food and uh, I don't know so many things to do. So uh, yeah, I don't have so much time for things that I would like to do. Okay. So if I if I had a business partner that would work with me in the coffee shop, maybe one day it will happen. Then uh, maybe I would like that. But then I know that there will be maybe difficult times because this is like um, you are even more connected than uh, with your husband or wife. I think sometimes. Yes. Also, if you work together, you know, because you spend so much time together, and it's pretty tricky this relationship. I think. I have to say, I don't. You know, I don't really like partners too much most of the time, but I was so lucky that uh, in Green Plantation I found Peter, and I was so mm-hmm. lucky that in uh, Unleash Coffee I found William. These are both very different, but great partners when it comes to honesty. And, you know, when it comes to skills, those you can learn, you know, and adjust, because I'm learning also every time in my life I'm learning something new and kind of implementing it. But the honesty and kind of openness, yeah. it's so yeah, yeah, rare yeah. in this world. It's so yeah. rare. Yeah. So. And then also one more thing, it's hard working. I think like there are not so many people who would be ready to work as hard as, for example, Peter did, or I don't know, William, but um, yeah, this is also pretty rare, I think. And this is why I think that owning a company makes difference for me. And that's why I was surprised that in Europe or Slovakia, in my case, it didn't really work because... I work hard on my own, where I'm happy, right? But when I was an employee, I wasn't that, you know, I, I wanted my weekends, I wanted to finish at 5 o'clock. So that's mm-hmm. why I wanted to offer stocks, and that, and people refused. They wanted just a little bit more salary, and yeah. they wanted their weekends off and whatever, you know. And I, it's fair, and that works for me. You know, I just wanted somebody, as you said, works very hard, puts everything what they have into the company so we can grow together. And for that, they are part of the company. It's United yeah. States that works. Like if I go out today, you know, and say I have an interesting project, people want to partic- participate on the project rather than being paid peanuts, you know, because, you know, every startup can afford paying only peanuts, right? So mm-hmm. <laughs> if somebody's starting today a cafe, and once f- the top five tips, what would you give them? Uh, so uh, there are some kind of like a, on the on social side and some on the more like a information. So I think you really need to be passionate and ready to work hard because the 
success, whatever it means for um, for people, it doesn't come like uh, you have to work a little bit to get it. I think so. You need to be ready to work hard for some time. It's not going to come overnight. So that's one thing. And then also, <clears throat> yeah, kind of take it with the take this mission with the. Um, how to say, like, be humble and be really happy to do the work. Because if you are, if you will uh, be getting grumpy, uh, this is like a vicious cycle. You know, it's going to go down and the, the energy and everything. So just um, be happy. Yeah, like, you really need to be happy about it. Uh, then get a really good accountant. <laughs> um, I agree. Yeah, this is like super important. Then I think the um, also the like it doesn't have to be perfect. Like you you have to open and then things will get better and better. But you have to have it um, a little bit like thought through and have a concept. Um, but this, I think sometimes, you know, if I was like really convinced about it, about our concept, and I had no doubts, even if the whole world was telling me that this is bullshit and it's never going to work, I would do it. And I was really convinced about it. So I think sometimes it's kind of um, difficult to judge. But if people are convinced about it, then yeah, go for it. But uh, I think, yeah, this is like, you need this conviction, you need this passion, you need a good accountant. Um, then I would say also good location, but then there are some uh, some businesses that I know that don't have such a great location and it works because there people are talking about it and they come back. And so if you are doing good work, uh, honestly, I think you are gonna uh, be successful. So I think I said four. Um, yeah, but I think that's the okay. Doesn't have to be what fine. comes up. Yeah, yeah. So That's do, what is important. So do you think thank you, my dear, is successful today? Yeah, yeah, I would say that uh, I really see it definitely as a success because we came up from uh, nowhere. We didn't know much about the coffee. We didn't know much about gluten-free food and baking bread. And we managed to do all that at the same time. And uh, I think we are pretty good at it. We didn't become millionaire, but that's not what we wanted. So that's okay. And um, yeah, we it's working. We we didn't need to put money in it. We just it's been working since the beginning, even though there were hard times and I didn't have salary every month. I mean, it wasn't. There were some months where the money wasn't there for me, but. Um, yeah, that's just one part. Like physical salary is just one part. There is also the the satisfaction that you get that is so important. So, yeah, I think it is successful, and I'm really happy about it. And I found out what I want to do. Maybe one day I will change my mind. Mind, but for now I'm really happy with uh, what I'm doing. And so I think that is success also because sometimes i I have friends who say that they do their work just for money, and I think that's pretty sad, so yeah, that's very sad, <clears throat> although we like money, it just that's not the only uh yeah motivator in yeah. life yeah 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 there there the money needs to be there because 
we need to have money to go to another coffee shop and get a coffee when we are off. <laughs> but uh, it's not everything. Yeah. Well, I have to say I never been in Paris. That's a shame, and I totally plan to do that, fix that. Uh, I've been in Strasbourg, I've been in Moujon, but somehow Paris escaped me. And when I go, I'm totally gonna visit your place and and have an awesome time with my wife and kids. So uh, I hope you stay there yeah. for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope to see you here one day. Yana, thank you so much for this uh, chat, and we learned a lot. Have a great day. Thank you very much. Have a nice day too. Was I right or was I right? <laughs> Dana's story is really inspiring and really, I, I really believe that uh, she did amazing job. It was a lot of hustle and um, I hope that everybody will be successful like she was with her concept. So thank you enough for being on the podcast and good luck to you. I hope to see your cafe very soon. I'm going to do this as a little bit like a free talk, like sometimes I do. There's no script here. I'm just going to uh, look at some numbers and tell you what did we achieve in uh, the last 12 months. So today is December 19th and let's see how the year looked like. Well, if you're interested in numbers, uh, we had over 34,000 plays. That means this podcast was downloaded 34,000 times. For me, that's an amazing number. That's crazy. That's just like mind-blowing. It's a population of my town I was born. It's like everybody, including the babies there, was listening to this podcast, which is, which is really awesome because I know that this is not a general coffee podcast. It's not about, you know, extractions. It's more about building businesses. And there is only, you know, so many people who want to build a business. Obviously, we have a lot of cool coffee for here too, but, you know, it's still a pretty... Uh, narrow audience and having 34,000 downloads it's actually more than 34,000 because this information is from uh, November because I'm uh, you know I had that issue with uh, the stream so uh, that's 34,000 here and another how many here like oh my gosh 4,000 on a libsyn where I moved the podcast so it's all together 38,000 plays guys thank you so much that's an amazing number that's like mind-blowing so where are you guys from united states is the top it's 18 over eighteen thousand listens thank you united states uh, united kingdom is 2000 listens so it's uh, much 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 less but uh, still very strong and then next one is canada australia fifth germany sixth south africa south africa is always strong thank you guys i know the theme there is uh, developing the coffee scene is very strong uh from everything from baristas to roasters producing everything roasting so thank you so much netherlands is number seven netherlands is always very strong with coffee uh eighth and ninth mm, eighth is czech republic and ninth is slovakia which is a bit weird because i'm a slovakian so i thought that it would be other way around but no czech republic is stronger thank you czech republic and thank you, Slovakia. 10th, uh, Sweden. Then we go Spain, Denmark, Brazil. Oh, my gosh. I think Brazil is new. I think I did not have last year Brazil on this show, at least not too many. Austria, Philippines, New Zealand, Ireland, Belgium, Norway. And 20th is Hong Kong. All right, guys. Wow. That's fascinating. And there's many, many other countries going um, 
following this, but let's see the top cities. And you know, not every city is mentioned here. There's usually the big capitals. So let's see how capitals listen to this. Uh, and you'll be surprised. You will go like, United States, you know, so strong. And uh, uh, and so probably it will be American city or American town, which is the first one. But no, it's London. Hey, London. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I, I, I really, really grateful. I love London. I've been there only twice, but both times I had amazing time. And uh, I really hope to go back. And, you know, the first time I was there, I was walking like four hours every day in a, in a city in a, and just enjoying every little nook and cranny. It was pretty awesome having some lunch at Harrods and some uh, amazing Indian food. Whoa. So love London. Second and third and fourth are my homies from California, Los Angeles, San Francisco and San Jose. Thank you, guys. Um you know, I'm very excited about this because uh, many of you I can meet either when I roast at uh, Coro or Berkey Coro or just, you know, we meet on uh, coffee events time to time and I have time to attend or just on the street, I hope. <laughs> so thank you so much. Fifth is New York, which is pretty awesome because I've been in New York too. I love New York. It's a, I have a mysterious uh, uh, relation with New York. It's I love to be there for two weeks. I'm enjoying every moment of it. After two weeks, I really want to escape New York because it's so intense, and I'm a small city boy. So uh, I just, but I love it. You know, it's great. Okay, sixth Chicago. I've never been in Chicago. Hope I one day I will be there. And then Johannesburg from South Africa is number seven. Thank you, Johannesburg. As I mentioned, South Africa is a very strong when it comes to uh, coffee culture. Then the next one is Toronto. Ninth is Dubai. Tenth is Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Uh, Eleventh Seattle. Been there twice. Love Seattle. Thank you guys. It's I they've been there for the SCA events twice. Amazing. Uh, and you know the World Aeropress Championship. We won there the World Aeropress Championship with Green Plantation. That was amazing time. It always stays with me. So it was really really awesome. And then we have Denver, then we have Central District, Hong Kong, Sydney, Houston, and 16th is Prague, 17th is Portland, been there once, love Portland, uh, amazing little food trucks, and uh, Leesburg, Florida, ne never heard of, so thank you guys, I'll check you out, and 19th is Bratislava, my home is from Bratislava, and 20th is Doha, Qatar, never been in Qatar, but I would love to go. So guys, thank you so much, these are the top cities who is listening to this podcast so you probably wonder which were the most popular episodes this year and it's a little bit unfair because in some cases you know some other episodes had a chance to you know crank up more listenerships because they are more uh, they were longer in the stream they were longer on the website but the, one of the strongest podcasts this year was how to start a cafe with Deborah Freudiger that was a three-part amazing amazing um podcast i enjoyed it a lot i enjoyed it so much that i had a old fashion before i started and you know it was just smoother maybe i should do it every time and of course the guys from handground uh, a guy from handground daniel vitiello he he's a Kickstarter campaign podcast was amazing, like very strong. It, you guys like it. Obviously, you download it all the time. Uh, still going strong. The direct trade from El Salvador to Europe with Rudolfo Rufati. Rudolfo uh, was bringing in coffee. He's uh, doing a great job in Europe. So, yes, you guys liked it a lot, as I can see. Uh, starting a coffee business with Stephen Layden is still very strong, you know. 
what else we have here? The couple from Hawaii, Keylight and Brandon, did an amazing job with Big Island Roasters. They go still very strong. That it's still very much, uh, very often downloaded episode. And uh, yeah, Coffee with Gail Williams from Seattle Coffee Gear. They, you know, people like it. It's still, still very strong. So these are probably the most popular episodes last year. And you know, there's much more, especially you know the the new episodes. It's uh, a little bit. Uh, harder. It's not fair to them because the the new episodes did not have a chance to uh, pick up all that listenership. With this, I would love to thank you for the whole year. Uh, you did great. Uh, I I'm, I'm so happy that you enjoy this podcast. The numbers show it that you do, and I always love to talk to uh, people on this podcast, and I always love to hear your feedback whether it is an iTunes review, whether you drop me a message on Facebook, or whether you just write me an email. I love to hear from you. So just keep doing that. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, now let's talk a little bit about this vision I have for coffeecourses.com. We do have there a a course, uh, how to build your uh, webshop with Shopify. I did that uh, more than a year ago. And my goal was to show our um, students some fast way how they can build a web store. And, you know, at that time, I thought that this would be a great little start, you know, because if you start a business, many of you do not have $10,000, $15,000 to spend on a, on, on a brand new uh, um, a shopping cart system, you know, a web store. So uh, Shopify is a very good way how to start. And we have it for free. So if you didn't check it out, uh, go and, and, and check it out. So, you know, that, that, that was great. But Shopify has a few disadvantages. One is the freedom. Because I, when I build a system, I think there are systems which are much more free. You can do many more things with. Uh, and also you can own it much more than you own um, uh, Shopify. And the second one which bothers me the most is that if you are not in the United States or if you are not in a country which is using uh, Stripe, Stripe is a system of accepting payments, online payments, the processing costs are very, very expensive. It can They can be all the way up to 5%. And to pay 5% for processing your payment, that's a lot of money. So what I use in my own uh, businesses I use uh, WooCommerce combined with WordPress. Actually, more precisely, it's WordPress powered by WooCommerce uh, system. And the reason is because it gives you much, much, much more freedom when it comes to from selecting the theme to different plugins which extend the either the, the, the experience, the, the shopping experience, or give me, give me analytics and tools which really help me support the sales. To work with WordPress and WooCommerce is not that hard, but it does need, you know, some certain skills. And you can you can you can learn them learn these as you go. But there are some basic things which you have to know, you know. And I want to make a course about this. When it comes to my vision for 2017, I plan to do a course where I will teach you guys how to build an online store with WordPress and WooCommerce. And my goal is not to focus on the geeky stuff, you know, how to uh, post blog posts, how to, you know, work with pages. I'll touch that very briefly because you can learn this from other courses. This is not the point. This 
course will be how to set up a store very fast. Whether you have some WordPress knowledge or not. If you have some WordPress knowledge, that always helps, you know, because you will understand the concepts much faster. But if you don't, I still want to make sure that you kind of get it, you know, what you are uh, doing. And once you build it, you will understand it and you can, you can work with it. Because I have to do this, I have to build one web store. I need one of you who will be willing to participate. For you, that means that you have to work on a copy. A copy is the text you're going to have on the website. You, you will have to work on the you know copy of the product. So you have to have descriptions and you have to have amazing pictures because amazing pictures are the ones which will uh, take this further. If you have other things like videos or you know, even testimonials, that would be great. We can work with that. But if you don't, that's fine too. But, you know, the copy for uh, who are you, about you, copy for uh, product descriptions or the basic copy has to be done. You have to do that. I'm not going to do that for you. I'm going to build the website. You also don't forget that the way how I build a system will be public because the first part of the course will be free for everyone. So, you know, up to the building the basic core store will be free. And then I'm going to make a few models, which will be only for the paid members where I showed how do I kind of enhance the sales. So you will, be, you will be kind of vulnerable a little bit here. But on the other hand, it's how I build my own systems. So I am vulnerable the same way as you are. So people will know how you build this. Personally, I'm not afraid, not paranoid, because, you know, everybody builds this system similar way. So if you qualify, if you have a product, if you are willing to do the homework, if you are willing to be uh, a little bit exposed, um, you can write me an email at valerian at coffeeis.me or you can just go to coffeeis.me website and you know fill out the contact form. Let me know a little bit more about you. Let me know a little bit more about your product. Uh, if you have some images of your packaging or uh, product itself, whatever you're going to sell, uh, send that to me too. And uh, let me know when we can start. I do want to start to build this as one of the first things in 2017. So maybe January. And usually January is kind of a quiet month. So why not? So I hope I can make one of you really happy with a new web store, uh, which is using the same engine as I use in all my businesses. Uh, it's tested. You know, it's not built by a nerd, by a web designer. It's built by a person who actually earns money with uh, doing business on the internet. So let me know. I'm looking forward to your projects and I hope uh, we can make an amazing course uh, for all of us. All right. All right, guys. Uh, have a good one. Wish you all the best. Bye.